0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you guys today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. We are all about helping people follow Jesus, which means we want to help you follow Jesus, but also for you in turn to help others. So if whether you're joining us online or in person, we love you. You're welcome here. And I want to connect with you personally. So fill out that AriseDenver.com slash connect form. I'm new. Do it. We give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission as a gift on your behalf to someone who needs it. Okay, so I I'm, hope you uh, do that. Um, I was gone last week on vacation to Moab. Um, it was great, and, and in our, my place was Scott Lenig, my professor of preaching. I thought that was pretty cool that he came, could be a part of our ministry here. He taught me how to preach, taught Sawyer how to preach, and I thought that was great. He, he, his message, a guy named Joe, I hope it not only encouraged you, but encouraged you to be an encourager, right? It, it was a great message. If you missed that, or if you've missed any in our series better than you think, you can always go to ariseinver.com media the media tab, we have our audio, we have our video, and we have a transcript of every single message. What we want is for everyone to worship weekly, because that's how you're going to be continually transformed by the Word of God. So even if you're not here in person, you should subscribe to a podcast app on YouTube to make sure that you get that message every single week. Even if you're not physically present or not not got something going on Sunday morning, you can still hear those messages. So make sure you do that. We are in the third week in our series, Better Than You Think, um, next week we're going to wrap that up. and then as you saw in the video just a couple minutes ago, we're going to start a new series called "Lost and Found," as we go back into the Gospel according to Luke, that starts here in two weeks from today. That's going to be great. I'm excited about that series, and I hope that you are as well. So today we're going to talk about the rules in Christianity, the rules in Christianity. I remember there was a young man, a teenager, in our church in Nebraska, and he started showing up at youth Group on Wednesday nights. And it was exciting because he came from a family that wasn't church-going. And he started getting interested, and you could tell he was interested in faith because he started asking questions, like great questions. He was discussing things, really interested. And then he started coming on Sunday mornings, too, and he was getting really involved. And I remember we had a baptism Sunday coming up. And now baptism is when faith goes public. It's saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, and I want other people to know about it. It's an important step. It's a step of obedience for everyone who follows Jesus. And we were having one coming up, so I remember asking, and I said, hey, are you interested in Baptism. Like, we got this coming up? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not. Okay, got to step forward. Like, well, what's going on? You seem so interested in faith. You're going. Do you believe in Jesus? He's like, yes, definitely. I believe the Bible. I believe everything in there is true, that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. I believe it. And I was like, okay, why don't you want to get baptized? And it took a little while, some conversations to kind of pry out from him why he wasn't ready to go public with his faith. Do you know what it was? he still wanted to have some fun in his life first. He, he said, if I follow Jesus, if I make my faith public, then I can't have fun anymore. And he was just not ready to do that. You know, I think that that idea is more common, more pervasive than we think. That the people think, oh my gosh, Christianity, it seems like a bunch of rules. That I've got to do this, I can't do that. All the fun I was going to have in life is gone. And it's just going to be a bunch of boring old rules from now on. That's an idea that a lot of people have about Christianity. They think of it almost like a straitjacket. Straitjacket that you put this on and it constricts all your movement, that you don't get to move around, that you're just stuck there and and in this like padded cell all around you and and you're just stuck. Oh my gosh, I got to follow all these rules and you're stuck there. You can't even hurt yourself anymore, right? By falling into sin and it just takes away all the fun and joy out of life. That's what a lot of people think about Christianity. And in this message, like we have this entire series. We're going to learn that Christianity, following Jesus, is way better than you think. It's not like that at all. It is not a straitjacket. It is not constricting. It is not a prison. It is not bondage. Following Jesus is way better than you think. And we're going to learn today that the happiness and joy, the freedom even that is found in following Jesus, is way better than you so that's what we're going to do, we're going to uh, look at one passage, really we're going to focus in on one verse, we're going to be in James chapter 1, so if you have a Bible or if you have a smartphone, go ahead and get to the book of James chapter 1, if you're online or, or if you just have your smartphone, you can get that out, if you use the version Bible app we have in Rise Church Denver event that you can see the scripture and even take notes there, save them right into the app. We're going to start this passage in James 1 verse 21 and we're going to go all the way to verse 25, which is the verse we're really looking at today. And in case you don't know, James was the brother of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' brothers. Yes, Jesus had brothers. And what's really fascinating, this is a little bonus point for you guys today. What's really fascinating, when we're told about Jesus' brothers in the Gospels, like the one time it mentions them, it's because they're telling everybody that Jesus is crazy. They looked at this guy who was teaching, and they're like, you think you're the Messiah? Dude, you're, you're crazy. You are nuts. You're nuts." That's what they thought in Jesus' life. But then he died, rose from the dead, appeared to um, you know, 500 people over a span of 40 days. They saw him, and they're like, okay, maybe he is real. Maybe he's not crazy. And then James, who thought Jesus was crazy, is now one of the leaders in the church, a follower. He calls himself a servant of Jesus, and here he is writing a book of the Bible for us. It's pretty impressive, right? That's just a bonus point. We've got some good stuff for you today. So James, Jesus' brother, he writes in verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Okay, there it is right there. Get rid of moral filth. Get rid of sin. Get rid of evil. Put that in the past. Okay, that sounds like constricting straitjacket, doesn't it? Get rid of all moral filth. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So, we're going to be straight up, okay, Jesus' brother James, he's saying, hey, this is the way of Jesus, this is following Jesus. You do get rid of evil, you do get rid of sin, you do stop doing a lot of things and start doing a lot of good things and following Jesus, yes. But why I'm starting here is that this is where James is starting because he says, hey, none of that actually saves you. And it's so important based on what we talked about in our second week in this series, two weeks ago, about salvation. Because salvation isn't climbing Everest, it's getting carried the whole way. So in this verse, in verse 25, if we can look at it again, it says that we need to accept the word that is planted in you. Can we go back to that one? Accept the word planted in you. Here's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. When you believe it, that seed gets planted in your heart. You are saved once for all. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get rid of moral filth. You don't have to start doing more good stuff. You are saved. So that is so important. That is the baseline of our faith. Salvation isn't climbing ever, so I've got to try so hard, I've got to get up to the top, and only a few people can make it up there. No, 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 it's getting carried by God the entire way. That's what we learned two weeks ago that's so important. So that's the baseline for everything we're going to talk about today. Following Jesus, obeying his word, is not about salvation, but it comes out of that salvation. See, when you realize what Jesus did for you by dying on the cross to take your sins upon himself, it changes your heart. Theologically, they call it things like regeneration, being born again. Ezekiel, the great prophet in the Old Testament, said it's like having a heart transplant. The heart of stone is ripped out and a heart of flesh is put in its place. Your heart changes when you believe in Jesus, and all of a sudden you're going to want to follow him. You're going to want to do what he said, not because it's going to save you or earn your way into heaven, but because, wow, look at what Jesus did for me. How could I not then follow him and live for him? So, so now that we've got that baseline in place, okay, We're not going to do anything to be saved, but we're going to do those things because following Jesus is way better than you think. And that's what we're going to learn today. So I want to continue now as we read in verse 22. In verse 22, we read, do not merely listen to the word, the word of God, the Bible that we have here, 66 books written over a couple thousand years by dozens of different authors, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do not merely listen to it. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. God speaks. We're supposed to do it. We're not supposed to hear it. We're not supposed to show up on a Sunday morning. Oh, that was a great message. I feel really good about myself. That's a failure on our part and on my part too. Okay, one of our core values here at our church is transformational teaching. That we teach God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives that we believe that we don't stay the same and we should hopefully be changing again and again to be more and more like Jesus, that we get rid of more and more sin and moral filth from our life and add more of the goodness and serving others, loving God, loving others as Jesus taught us as his way. That's what it's about. So we've got to do what Jesus says. When you read God's word in the morning, you do what it says. When you hear on Sundays, you do what it says. James continues in verse 23. He says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What a worthless visit to the bathroom. I don't even remember what you look like. Like, Look at your face, okay? Now, I know some of you spend too much time looking in the mirror. But what he's saying, he's like, this is an analogy, okay? (laughs) Hey, no nudges. Okay, but the point is, if you're looking in God's Word like a mirror and you forget immediately what it says, if you hear a message on a Sunday and immediately they're like, go back to your life just as you were before, it's worthless. It's worthless. And that's why verse 25, and this is going to be our main verse, we're going to focus on it, we're going to get stuck on it, hopefully we get it stuck into our soul and we listen to it and then do what it says. But verse 25 says this, But whoever looks intently... Into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let's read it again, okay? We don't want to miss it, right? (laughs) We don't want to be like the people that forget what we look like, okay? Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? Blessed in what they do. This verse, James so concisely in one verse, he spells out why Christianity is not a straitjacket. Why it's so much better than you think. It's not bondage. What he says here is so important. So this is why we're going to dive into this verse. We're going to learn what it says because it's that important for us. So let's look again. But whoever looks intently. We've already talked about, hey, it's not like looking in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. It's looking intently, it's focusing, it's studying, examining. Well, that's where that mole is, right? Okay, we, it's, it's studying, but it's God's word. So, so how can you focus on God's word? Well, it, it takes mental power, right? This is a hard thing to do because we've got a lot of distractions, don't we? We've got to focus, we've got to read it, we've got to study it, maybe even memorize it. We've got to talk about it with other people. What, what did you think that means? That's why we do that at community groups here every week. How, how does this apply to my life? Well, what does it mean for me? It's looking intently, deeply. Have have any of you guys ever tried to show your favorite movie to a, who a friend who's never seen it before? Has anybody had this experience? You love this movie. Like you've seen it a hundred times. It's the best. Like you quote it nonstop, and then you're like, you gotta see this movie. You, you get it, you know, it used to be you go to Blockbuster, but not anymore, right? Okay, you you pull it up. Find out whatever, one of the hundred platforms that, that it's, you know, you subscribe to that, you buy it, whatever. Okay, you show this movie, you're so excited about it. You got to watch this. And then it like, without fail, this is what happens. The friend's like, oh, I got a phone call. They like step up, what the what the heck? You pause the movie. Okay, they got, they can't miss a moment of this thing. They come back. Oh, I'm hungry. Grits, get some food. And they're, they're talking to you. Don't talk. To, um, focus, right? They get out their phone. They're scrolling through Facebook and you're just, it's always upsetting, isn't it? Man, it's upsetting. This movie means something to me. It's important to my life. And you are just distracted, talking, leaving the room. And then afterwards, you talk to them. So what do you think? Eh, it's fine. (gasps) Right? Never goes the way you want it to. You guys had this experience? Is this just me? Yeah, okay. And that's how it is when we're trying to show people, I think that's what happens with God's word. It's like, hey, here it is. This, is. this is God's word. He is speaking. A lot of us are like, God, would you please tell me what to do? God already told you. Like, He has this huge book for you. Read it. And then we read it, and you're like, eh, it's fine. See, we've got to look intently into it. We've got to study it and focus it because it is transformative for your life. I love what Jeremiah the prophet says. He says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Jeremiah was transformed by receiving God's word, and we should be too. It should give us joy and happiness. It should make us be like, oh my gosh, this is the best meal I've ever had. And if you're not experiencing that, maybe you're not looking intently enough. You're distracted. Maybe you're on your phone. <laughs> got things going on. Some of you are on your phone right now. Watching online, I'm pointing at the online people. You're distracted. The kids are running around thinking about, what am I going to get for brunch today? Okay, No, no, no. Okay. We've got to focus, right? We've got to look intently at the Word of God. It takes some effort. But if we do that, we begin to see how good it is. And that's, in fact, what James says next. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law. Did you notice that? The perfect law. Now, the law here is talking about God's word that that is shown to us in the beauty of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. So, so that's these 66 books, In the culmination come in Jesus Christ because he is the end of the law, as it says in Romans 10.4. It's, it's all shown through Jesus, and we read God's word here, and this is the law that it's talking about, and, and James says it's perfect. That word perfect is telos, the, the Greek root word, meaning it's the culmination, it's the end of everything. This is the pinnacle of anything you could ever read. This is God speaking, and it is perfect, meaning without error, it's flawless, it's what it's all about. Now, James doesn't say, read the Bible because it's better than some other books you might read. You can try some other religions. Try ours because it's slightly better. It's a little easier to put on than than maybe that Eastern religion over there. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, go get a self-help book, and those are pretty good, but this one's even better. He says, this is perfect. This is the book. This is God's word to us. His law, his perfect law. It's without error." And I'm saying that because a lot of us think, oh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but we, we look at some of the rules, the things that we're supposed to we're not supposed to do that thing. That's moral filth. We are supposed to do something like that. So, this thing, and then we look at that and we say, well, that sounds a little boring. That's taking away my fun. It's constricting. Why would God do that? I, I don't know. We pick and choose, don't we? We're like at a buffet line. Ooh, I like love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy? Mm, not today. Not after what she did to me. Okay, we, we do that. We pick and choose, right? But it's all good and it's all perfect. We can't say, yeah, but this one used to apply back then, but it doesn't apply to me anymore. We're, we're more mature and advanced in our society than all those people in the past. C.S. Lewis called that chronological snobbery. That's what we do, though. That's what we do. We, we look at these things and we think, this is good, but I'm not sure that's good. What James is saying is it's all perfect. Meaning that everything God has said is for your good. God even says this in Deuteronomy chapter 10. He says, obey the Lord's commands and laws. I am giving them to you today for your own good. God is not an arbitrary rule maker. Don't we have enough of those in our society? And no, this is not a social political commentary on anything, okay? We know that there's some rules right now, and you're like, what? Why? Six feet? Right? We're like, where did that come from? We know that there's rules like that, but we have all sorts of arbitrary rules. One person breaks a rule or does something bad, so then, then the next person makes a thousand new rules so that nobody does that thing again. We have rule upon rule after, and we look at them like, they don't make any sense. They're not for my good. Why I do that? With, 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 with kids, man, this is where I'm going next, with parenting, a lot of the rules that parents make up. And I'm a parent, I'm admitting, we make up rules because we're lazy. Can we be honest, right? Don't do that. You can't do that after 6 p.m. No, 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 no. because we're just lazy. We don't want to handle it. Well, We don't want to go up and play soccer. No, 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 no soccer after 5 p.m. What? Just get up and go play soccer, right? I'm saying this to myself too, right? Okay. We make a lot of arbitrary rules for our own good, if you're a parent, Rule makers make up rules because they don't want to deal with people as much. They don't want to have hard conversations and all sorts of stuff. So there's all sorts of arbitrary rules in our society. But not so with God's word. See, God is perfect. He knows all things. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows the repercussions of all our actions. So when he says do this or don't do this, it's for our good. It's only for our good. He is like the perfect father who cares about us. Man, man. I have a four-year-old now. i got the two twins. I do have to say no sometimes, right? Don't drink that. I'm not saying don't drink that because you're thirsty and I want you to be thirsty. Don't drink it because it's antifreeze, right? It's going to kill you, right? Isn't that what we do? We don't go run out in the parking lot, not because I don't want you to run and have a grand old time, because I want to protect you from getting hit by a car. Even if you don't see the car right now, I care about you and I want to protect you. I love you. That's what a good father does, right? That's what a good parent does. They make rules and they set parameters and they say do this or don't do this because they care about us for our good. And that's how our Father in heaven is. Every single thing he has said is for our good. Even if you say that's outdated, that doesn't make sense, I don't know why he would do that, it's because you haven't even understood it. You haven't looked intently enough to really process why is this law in there? Why would God say this? Why would God say, don't do that? Seems like it'd be fun. There's a reason. And it's maybe because you haven't looked intently enough. I think part of looking intently is letting God's word stick in your craw. I've said that before. If there's ever a verse that you read and you're like, what the heck? Why would God say that? And it bothers you? Let it bother you. Let it keep bothering you. and Let it stick in your craw again and again and again until you have figured out why it's in there. And then you're going to say, ah. Oh. And then you realize, this is actually for my good. This is perfect. I like this. <laughs> Makes sense. God actually cares about human beings. Because when we break God's law, when we do something that is wrong, it's called sin. And sin leads to death. Sin is always bad for us. Always. Sin leads to death. Death. That was from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when, God, uh, when there was the very first sin, and it's at the very end, too. Sin leads to death. God is saying, don't sin because I don't want you to be destroyed. I don't want you to have a slow destruction or, or a very quick one. I want you to have what is good for you. I want you to have the perfect law. And here's the amazing thing. This is why this verse is so good, why I picked it for today. Because we are supposed to look intently into the perfect law that, verse 25 says, gives freedom. A perfect law gives freedom. We're scratching our heads because we're like, what? I thought law constricts freedom. That's most of the time why we think there's laws, why there's rules around. To stop us from doing the things we want to do. But that is actually a pretty weak view of law because without law, there would be no Freedom. We live in a society with a constitution, with borders. We we live with a military and with police officers, with judges to make sure that rules are right. And all of that protects us and gives us freedom. And you know this because if you've ever been to a country that doesn't have the rule of law, it's terrifying and there is no freedom. Seriously, I went when I was in Bolivia and we visited a region of the country that was considered the red zone, so the police don't have jurisdiction in there, the military doesn't go in there, it's almost like it's anarchy over there. There's, there's drug lords, there's all sorts of stuff going on there. And how do you think I felt going in there, and some of you even just imagining? I get nervous, right? I'm going to be careful, I'm not going to bring very much money this day, right? I don't know what's going to happen to me. I, you're worried, you're nervous. If you lived in that area, you probably wouldn't let your kids just go run around and play anywhere they want. You wouldn't let your daughter go on a walk late at night. It restricts your freedom when there is no law. Do you guys understand this? But if you know that there are people there to protect you, that there are laws in place, that people obey the laws, or there's people that enforce the laws for you, you can have more freedom. You're going to well, let's go on a walk. It's 9 p.m. Who cares? See, we just don't get it because we live in a society with laws. Law actually enables us, if it's good, to have Freedom. It gives us freedom, and that's what Jesus is saying. Following me, Jesus says through his brother James, right? following Jesus gives us freedom. Obeying Jesus gives us freedom. It enables us and empowers us to do the things that we were meant to do. I want you guys to get this. And part of the reason why you don't get this is because you haven't tried it. And that's why James says next that the... the, the, that you look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, and continues in it. See, it's not just try it one time and, ah, that wasn't for me. No, it continues in it. It's do it again and again and again. You know, it's, it's like the person who's like, I'm going to go run a marathon, and after a week of training is mad because they can't run 26.2 miles. Come on, I've been training all week, what's going on? We all know that it's going to take longer to get to the point where you can do the thing, right? It's the same thing with following Jesus. You've got to work at it. Take some practice. You've got to stick with it. See, I don't think that following Jesus, I don't think that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. I think it's been tried once and given up on. I think people are like, oh, that was kind of hard. Yes, of course it's hard. Doing anything good is hard. You've got to stick with it and continue at it. And try and try and try again. And when you fail, then you say, maybe maybe I need to try it from a different angle. I'm not getting why this is good yet. Let me keep trying it. Continue following Jesus again and again and again. Because get this, when you do that, not forgetting what you have heard, but doing it, those people will be blessed in what they do. The word blessed in Greek could be translated as happy. It's a happiness that comes with God. It's a reward. It's a blessing. Something God gives us to us. Did you know that God wants you to be happy? But he says the way to this happiness is through obedience. The way to happiness is holiness. We don't realize that because we haven't tried it. But if we were to try it, God is doing all this for our good. When Jesus said, come follow me, he does not come like the thief to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. The fullness of life is found in following Jesus. The greatness of life, the joy, the true happiness is found in following Jesus in obedience. God wants us to be blessed and experience that blessing. And that's why you need to hear this today, okay? Following Jesus isn't bondage. It's blessing. It's not bondage. It's not constriction. It's not being put in a padded cell, you know, in in, in that straitjacket. It's not that at all. It's Blessing. It's walking into the freedom that God has for us. The reason why we don't get this is because we're like the fish that wants to get out of water. Okay? The fish that's like, oh my gosh, all I have to do here is swim in this water all day long. Let me out of here. I had a fish that did this. Now, I'm not making this up. I, I, I saved up my money as a kid and bought a 20-gallon fish tank. I was a nerd. I bought this fish tank. I was so excited. Put all these tropical fish in there. Things were going great. And then I remember one day uh, that I was like inside of my room, and I found this fish on the ground. It had been there a little while. I wasn't the cleanliest kid in the world, right? This fish. And do you know what happened when it went on the ground? It dried out. You know, have you ever dried fish skin? Dead. For some reason, this fish was like, "Let me out of here!" I need freedom! Jumped out of the water and was there dead, dried up, crispy on the floor. See, we're like that fish that's trying to get out of the water. Let me out! Not realizing that the water is actually where you find freedom. You can swim. You can go explore. You know, this is really our problem. We're seeing that following Jesus, we're like, Oh, this is what I can't do. This is what I have to do. Oh, my gosh. But it's actually in following Jesus, in doing what he says, in obedience to him that we find the greatest freedom there is. That's why it's the law that gives freedom. Because we're doing what we were meant to do. We're the driver. I was on I-70 yesterday coming back from Utah. We're the driver that, that hits the guardrail instead of falling down the cliff and dying and burning destruction, right? It's like, oh, that guardrail dented my fender, that's what we're like. Like, no, no, it just saved your life. Who cares if you got a dent? Okay, the freedom is found as staying on the road that we have for us. A train finds no freedom one foot from the tracks. It goes nowhere. Let me out of this train track. That's what we do. The eagle, oh my gosh, I can't get into the water. I have to fly forever. Okay? The freedom that we find, that we think is freedom... It's like jumping out of an airplane. I can fly, finally! I'm free! But you know what happens? You're now a slave to gravity. And without a parachute, you're destroyed. Now, I want to be clear with all you guys, because the Bible is very clear. There is pleasure in sin. We all know it. Let's just say it out loud. The Bible says it in Hebrews. There's pleasure in sin but it always leads to destruction and death. It could be very, very slow, but it will lead to your own destruction. You will feel worse about yourself. It will destroy you from the inside out until you go to death, if you choose sin. It's like the kid that does drink the antifreeze. Did you know that 9,000 pets and 400, no, 90,000 pets and 4,000 kids a year drink antifreeze? Do you know what happens? Why they do this? Because antifreeze is sweet. It's sweet. It tastes good going down. But it's a poison that will slowly kill you. That's what sin is. It tastes sweet going down. Oh, this is good. But it leads to destruction. On the other hand, following Jesus, sometimes it seems hard at, front, at the first, right? But it leads to the ultimate happiness and blessing if we continue in it. And that's what I want for you. I want your ultimate good. I want your happiness. So when I tell you to do stuff, because sometimes I tell you to do stuff, right? It's for your good. I'm trying to just say what God says to you. When we read God's word and it tells us what we do, we do it because it's for our good. Get rid of this sin. Get rid of that moral filth. Yes. Do these things because it's for your good. It's for your blessing. Find that blessing. Find that happiness in following Jesus. Following Jesus isn't bondage. It is blessing. Now, as I'm saying this, I know that some of us feel very convicted because we've been choosing sin. We've fallen. We've done things, and we will sin in the future. Just on my drive yesterday, of six hours in the car, you know, your mind starts to wander, and I don't—I haven't even thought of this in years. There was something I said when I was in high school, really awful thing that I said to someone, and I felt guilty about it. Has anybody done this? I'm like, I haven't even thought about that since it happened. But yet, this moment of like, oh, why did I do that? I wish I could go apologize to that person, right? Even with Facebook, I have no idea where they are. We have those moments, don't we, that we feel guilty because we are sinners. We have chosen the quick pleasure of sin instead of the enormous blessing of following Jesus. But the good news that we believe is that Jesus came down and Jesus was perfect. He looked intently into the law. He studied it. Even as a teenager, he was found in the temple studying God's word and teaching it to others. And he was perfectly obedient. Everything that God said to do, he did. Everything God said don't to do, he didn't do those things. He lived perfectly and he walked among people and he proclaimed a message of freedom to people. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I've come to to provide freedom for those in bondage. That was Jesus' good news. He proclaimed that. And as he lived that perfect life, he deserved the blessing that comes with obedience, doesn't he? But instead, what he experienced was a curse. You see, anyone who died on a cross in those days was considered curse. That was scripture. And Jesus, though he deserved perfect blessing and reward and happiness, he went to the cross. He was beaten, whipped, hung up on the cross, and he suffered a criminal's death, though he had done no wrong. What we believe is that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment we deserve for all of our sin. And we get his reward. Martin Luther, the, the great theologian, called this the wonderful exchange. Because of all of our sin, curse, punishment that we deserve, it's put on Jesus. And the reward that he earned for living a righteous, perfect life is given to us through faith. That's what we believe. And the great thing about following Jesus is that we have been forgiven and we will be forgiven once for all. So that's how we can walk and pick ourselves up again. So that when I felt guilty yesterday, and I was starting to beat myself up, I remember that. I was like, God, please forgive me for that and help me to just remember that I have grace. And I had freedom from that. See, the greatest thing about following Jesus is that we have freedom from guilt and sin and shame. I don't need to worry about the fact that I was a jerk 15 plus years ago. I'm forgiven. I have freedom in Christ. And I want you to experience the freedom. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. This is the truth, and I want you to walk in that freedom. I want you to walk in that blessing. It is a great freedom. It's one that we can celebrate and rejoice in and live in. And every time we fall into sin again, say, I'm going to pick myself up again because I have forgiveness and freedom in Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not be yoked again to the bondage of slavery. It's for freedom Christ has set you free. Can you just say that right now? Freedom. Let's say it like Braveheart. Freedom. Let's do one, two, three. Freedom. Okay, that's the freedom we have in Christ. As, as we have the band come up right now, I want us to celebrate in that freedom that we walk in. We are no longer held by the guilt and shame of our past. Sin has no hold on us. We have a freedom and a blessing of following Jesus that we can have for this moment and for the rest of our lives. And some of you need to walk in it. Some of you need to celebrate it and accept it. So I'm saying this today because some of you have gotten into that mindset that Christianity, that following Jesus is just that straitjacket. That It's just bondage, just a bunch of rules trying to keep me from doing what I want to do. It's just not any fun. But it is fun. It is joy. It is freedom, and I want that for you. That teenager I mentioned at the beginning of my message in Nebraska, he did make the decision to go public with his faith. He got baptized. It was, it was a joy. And, and I think something like, like a switch flipped in his life because he was actually happier and more joyful after that. He started to serve in our church, and he had such a great smile on his face all the time because he had found the joy of following Jesus. It wasn't no more fun for me. It was the greatest joy in the world to follow Jesus. It's a blessing, not bondage. And I want that for you. So some of you need to claim that today, walk in that freedom today, and others of you need to make the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today. I know that there are some of you that need to recommit to your decision to to follow Jesus again, say, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to continue it. And others need to make the decision for the very first time. So we give a prayer here. What we do, I want everybody to stand up right now. What we do here every week is that we want to give people an opportunity To follow Jesus for the first time. So what we do, this prayer that's up here, it's not a magical formula or anything, but it's just a simple way to tell God that, yes, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. We believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So what we're going to do is, if you already are a believer, repeat this prayer after me to give courage to someone who needs to say it for the first time. So let's close our eyes right now and just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. I receive your grace. In faith, I declare Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you till I reach heaven. Now, with eyes closed, if we could just close our eyes for just a second. If you said that prayer for the first time, and meant it. If you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to follow Jesus now. Raise your hand into the air. I just want to just encourage you and celebrate with you. Just slip that hand into the air. Praise God. I'm so glad that you have made that decision. The angels are rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. Lord God, I pray for those who have made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today or recommitting to following you again today. Lord God, help us to follow you when we don't understand why your word says something, that we would look even more intently to figure out why it is good for us. I pray, Lord God, that you give us the strength to follow you, to pick ourselves up when we fall down. And I pray that you would help us feel in the depths of our souls the freedom that is found in Christ. Let us know that we are like the eagle that can soar in the air, the fish that can swim in the water, the train on the tracks, that we are walking in the freedom of life when we follow you. Give us the joy and the happiness and experience this life. Experience right now the blessing that comes with following you in freedom. And let us walk in that every day till we die. Please help us. Give us strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is freedom in Christ. There is freedom in Jesus. And that's why we're going to celebrate this morning. We have a new song for you today, and I just want you guys to be excited. It's a good one. We're going to find freedom, and we're going to celebrate that freedom today.